eros mm-hmm. slash love. Is that a good title for for a conversation? Or is there no slash? Is it one word that we'd like to use? Um, eros. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Arrows. Let's def- define it, maybe. Maybe that's good. No, this is good, because now I'm trying to remember, like, just how I... Because I had the same question, because I was like, oh, yeah, this is Eros. We're doing everything through Eros. And I was like, well, what what are we saying Eros is in this thing? Right. And we actually came up with, a like, a concrete thing, and now I'm still like, hmm. But let me just tell you, like, what comes out of me when I say Eros. It's like a... Inclusive, yeah, rooted in love, and inclusive, rooted in love, um, and when I say inclusive, meaning like it's not a, um, you fell over. <laughs> it's not a renouncing like we don't renounce we, we include so like all the disposed of and discarded parts of ourselves and others we choose to include and and based based on love as a as a actual practice when you uh-huh. think of the word what comes up for you when I think of the word, when I say like eros, when I say the erotic, I think a perspective, like a lens that I view life through that is more inclusive, that is open to like all aspects, all open to all opinions, um, like it's not a, for me, it's not a, it's where I I don't turn anything, I don't turn away from anything. I actually will look at everything. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because that's, don't turn away mm-hmm. from anything. Look <laughs> at everything. Mm-hmm. Is that how you phrase it? Yeah. 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 Um, there's like a, there's a way like whenever the erotic is said, it's instantly thought of as sexual also. And so there's a, a place where I'm, I don't use erotic as much, but I might actually use it more than I realize. But when I say erotic, I'm referring to this loving, inclusive way of looking at things. And it could have to do with sex, or it may not. But I think it's inherently also more of a feminine, body-based way of looking at life, too. What is um, body-based? 
body based where inherently body based well yeah. the the idea is that to give the body like to give the body more leadership where we might have let our minds take over and have the body be the servant and that the body becomes the like the leader of like intuition and feeling yeah. and <clears throat> and the mind becomes the servant to that so I'm like does this feel right versus is this logically making sense like it didn't logically make sense for me to quit my job move in with friends <laughs> you know uh -huh. and do all these things those were more erotic decisions if I had to like define it more feminine decisions, embracing more chaos, more creativity. Whereas like my logical mind is, no, you need to stay here for as long as you can and get your 401k up and maybe get a pension and keep your apartment in New York because who can get an apartment in New York? And just like all those logical things would not be. They're not excluded from an erotic vision but they they don't lead the erotic vision they, they become your your actual like what actually happens becomes based on what you feel versus what you think what i feel versus what i think <laughs> so yeah wow okay <laughs> that's helpful so do you think um, thinking and feeling is so separate that they are that they actually are opposing one another? I think I have separated them. I think by nature or like the nature of like the way we're brought up and taught about like what's appropriate and in those types of with religion etc I think they've become separate but I think the idea is that I can I can merge the two that they can actually coexist and work together but I think I've, I and many others have just been have separated them and we've, mm -hmm. let, we've let the logical mind side kind of run things and decided have, like, what does that look like the mind side too I'm just um, when you're I've just the first thing I just thought of while I was saying it was like deprivation it was like the mind is like I don't need this I don't need sex I don't need food I don't need I just need to work you know I, mm -hmm. I don't need to have contact with other people. I can isolate and be in my head. That's kind of like what I start seeing as the mind side. But isn't there some value to that too? Because part of part of the deprivation is to recognize, like. The sensation of right that there must be an absence of at some point 
Christiate the way that you might um, uh, delay in anticipation joyfully just for a moment longer kind of thing. The idea that, that, that they like, I don't know. I know what you're saying. Like a, like the, a, that's also included. A, a monkish spiritual deprivation that's also erotic. I, it inc- it includes that. I think there it can go too far in that direction. If it can go too far in either direction, I think. Okay. My. What I'm coming to know is like embrace it all. Maybe maybe that's what's called for in the moment. But are you able to hear when that's peaked and have something else? There's like a, um, yeah. You're, when it's peaked. Yeah, like when, all right, it's peaked. That's, that's, that's over now. That's something else is being called for. Like, can I hear that? What does that look like in life? Can I hear, like, can I hear desire? Like, I've, I've, I've. Renounced chips for, Renounced. for two months. <laughs> and what kind of chips? My body is telling me that chips are needed now. Am I able to hear that? Or am I able to separate like that? That desire. There's because there's like the, and I, I'm no expert in like. Are you sure that's your body telling you that? Well, I haven't renounced chips. That's just an example of what I might do if I was going down a renunciation deprivation path it would be something that i really crave hard okay so then let's talk about it then <laughs> let's talk about um i think building your indulgence yeah indulgence or i think that's so we're talking mind versus body i think the body side indulgence is probably the way to develop it, the body side. And maybe, I don't know if renunciation or deprivation is actually. Deprivation, I think, has traditionally been like how you hear your mind more. If you cut out everything else, you cut out the food, or you hear something more. Cut out food, you cut out light, cut out, yeah, whatever the case is. But on the body side, I think hearing it, more, your hearing gets better with the body with indulgence. And when I say indulgence, it sounds like I'm saying candy bars and popcorn. But when I say indulgence, I just mean like hearing uh, what it wants and responding to it in real time. response I guess it depends on the desire the response could be like candy bars candy bar it could be to call home you know it could be to take a trip it could be a lot of like Bustello I feel like the, like I think it's honoring those things and then the more you do that, the more you... Stop can... saying Bustello, because that's not what that is. <laughs> I have Bustello. 
I ordered. Yeah, stop I, <laughs> I ordered on Send Amazon. Send to Mexico. <laughs> um, like the more, I think the more we listen to them, develop that response to those those desires, the more we're able to like t- tune into intuition and hear those things when it's time. And the mind side, I think for me, like the mind is. The body side is not going to make sense necessarily. It's going to sound irrational. It's going to it's going to sound indulgent. It's going to sound like it's going to be in trouble and cause trouble, <laughs> inappropriate, potentially. And I think the mind side, just because of where we are, we're not kids anymore. If we were kids, the body probably led us. Still, we didn't have a lot of mind to like make logical appropriate decisions we just did what we thought we were what we felt so like having that same kind of childlike freedom around responding to like what your body's saying What did you ask? What does this response look like? Yeah. So the mind's response is like, oh, that costs too much. I shouldn't do that. I'm going to get fat. Um, I'll look bad. Judgments. Judgments, yeah. Judgments that are belief systems based from based from I think childhood training, religion, trauma, places where we've been someone said something that hurt our feelings. <laughs> and some just like societal like norms that we live in. Like it wasn't always normal for, I guess, same gender people to be together, and they had to deny that body-based desire because of what the mind was, and because of law or whatever else you know was in place. But they were in response to their body. Hmm. So norms versus natural. Natural, yeah. I guess, I say natural law. I don't know if it's natural law or natural just instinct or... I'll say natural instinct, maybe. Yeah. And when I talk about it, I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, at the same time, there's like the danger of like, it could go, it could go to some really dark places. So there's like a, there's a natural, that's where the mind comes in, I guess. Where you still need it, it just can't lead you. It needs, I think you need your mind to like, 
keep you in the the rails of of like what's going to keep you out of prison <laughs> unless you don't care about going to prison <laughs> but you so it's there it's actually it it's not get rid of your mind and get rid of logic it's like let logic serve the body not lead the body so that's that's interesting so the, the, <laughs> okay how do you balance safe let up but you can actually go out of control you can actually let go and let your body what 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 do you mean like they have rules they have they have boundaries around chaos like the purge exactly exactly no i'm not not a not like the purge said bdsm did you hear that part? I don't know if you heard that. No, there was dogs. Can we took the dog. Purge. The purge. <laughs> the purge is wow. <laughs> Sorry, because we said prison. Uh-huh. Chaos. And then you said... Tell <laughs> I said... The first example I thought of was BDSM because it's considered, like, dark. It's considered... By the norms, chaotic, uh, alternative, like underworld culture. It's very body based, though. And so you have body based boundaries. So they have safe words. They have like all these like understood, what I call a container in place so that you can let chaos run within, like, within a, within some boundaries. Right. So it's, I think it's about community. I think it's about containers, like safe spaces to be able to even have conversations that are chaotic. Mm-hmm. You know? I agree with that. Like, um, it's interesting that I think um, the idea that there would be community. Mm-hmm in those spaces yeah. is unusual for some people to consider it, but then you, that's exactly how those communities are formed. Like I think about, um, you know, any scene that pops up, how it has its, um, communities, its language, its, um, signifiers, maybe even if part some wardrobe choices might be part of it. Yeah. To, in a very quiet way, communicate that part that we're talking about being suppressed. Mm-hmm. 
you know, to, to in some way say that it's on the peripheries. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's what they have, which they figured out is is community and also just about like an understanding of, of boundaries and setting up like safe spaces to actually let that happen and avoid inc- incarceration. <laughs> well, I also think too, like, um, in talking about this, I do want to clarify like what we mean because I know that encountering the word or even the term the erotic mm-hmm. um, shoots off into a million different directions. For sure, yeah. And in um, thinking about it, the first things that start to need to be clarified are the, you know, in, in a lot of things that I was considering saying or asking or uh-huh. things that I was reading about that were on topic, a lot of the things positioned things first to establish where sex lies in that term mm-hmm. and then where deviance lies in that term mm-hmm. in some way. Um, and then I was aware of your term eros and my term love mm-hmm. as synonyms for, but neither one of us were using the term the erotic. Mm-hmm. And then to put it into context of the conversation series that we can see as another lens, the plurality of that conversation or even the terms we use to have that conversation. Feeling, thinking, mind, body. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of conceptual terms. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of ways that, even just knowing what we mean when we say eros, there's there's an anticipation or a requirement of some, some foundation of literacy. Around, yeah, what that term even means. Yeah, that's, I'm running into that a lot. Yeah, so how do we talk about this <laughs> with uh, right. everyday people? And then it's very interesting that there, there's a, for me personally, mm-hmm. an effort being made to be as curious about the language I should be using as I am to find. Um, ways in which whatever difficulty I'm having with that mm-hmm. also becomes part of the conversation. That, wow, I I thought that I knew what I was talking about, but to hear the same terms mm-hmm. through another lens, now I'm thinking about a whole other conversation that spun off from the same thinking. Like, not to turn away from anything, to look at, at everything you said mm-hmm. and, and embrace it all, which was to go like a step further, right? Mm-hmm. 
And if that's like, what would you say that that's like the the, the goal, the like the kind of like you hope things get there? Is that kind of where it, like is that an objective? Is that a yeah? I'd say what, so. What do you think? I'd say yeah. I'd say that's an objective. Yeah, to be able to include like to the point where we can have conversations, arguments, disagreements, um, religious differences. Like it sounds like utopia. (laughs) And I think that's what, but it doesn't mean everybody's happy (laughs) about it. It just means you can actually bring it to the table and you can be mad. That's embraced. When I say embrace, embrace the anger, embrace the uh, disagreements. Like, uh-huh. like that's, it's all welcome. When I say embrace, I think that's what I mean. It's welcome. Uh-huh. And there's love. And the last where the arrows, I think, comes in is that the, the end result is, is love. Like, we had this disagreement. I'm angry. And it's because we love each other enough to, like, bring it all to the table. It doesn't mean we're best friends. It doesn't mean we're going to, like, I'm just thinking of, like, all levels. Um, Me having dinner together or going to the same religious establishment. Yeah, I think, like, love is the end result, like, and the idea, like, would be that maybe chaos can still create that. Yeah. That actually, like, you know, disruption or um, things not making logical sense or things being, you know. um... Yep. Other. Ooh, other. Can still lead to. Other. An an ultimate understanding. Um, like, I, I'm thinking, too, of the idea of maybe, um, the shadow side in that, because part of it is, like, really unpacking some of those belief systems, that conditioning that said that maybe 401ks and a, a sense of you know, joining in on the patriarchal scheme were more valuable. Like, how does it look to kind of, like, stop and say, like, okay, what what parts of those things do I need to unpack are not satisfying, are actually detrimental to my creativity Mm -hmm. or my choices? But what things are so valuable to keep that balance? Like, what, 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 you know... Mm -hmm. How can I still include this thing of me that's not wholly me? Right. But it has its value and its sense. Sure. But I've also maybe studied it enough to notice where my parental guidance stopped and my choices started, or where my church and, you know, mm-hmm. mosque and. Uh, temple 
had instructed me, but here's where I made my searching effort to find my answers. But then also, because it, it, that would be true inclusion, right? Like maybe some of my upbringing doesn't have to be yeah sure. um, replaced. Maybe this is this is this is still something I find articulates my sense of self. Um, and the word love too. Right. Um, which everyone is uses so freely right. and understands so incompletely. Right. And that's also wonderful. Right. <laughs> that, 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 that sense of, um, mysteries is actually in the terms that we use that's that actually feels very feminine that there's like some mm-hmm. words that are so unanimously understood and so wrestled with <laughs> so that's chaotic a, for sure that's a big one love is for sure so as, as you were just talking oh go ahead go ahead, go ahead. Words, I just was like and that's where the like the practice of like retraining and re-establishing like a body that can feel, I think, comes in, so that you can know like what what, how do you feel? Does the four hundred one k have you feel joyful? Does it have you feel you know, or it's just like is this loving me? Is this loving me? Do I feel? Am I happy? And am, am I enjoying my life? Am I enjoying myself like that? So in this moment, in our civilization where so many people were maybe having an opportunity to question whether or not they were finding what they were doing to be packed with joy or not, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a very real sense, um, which of my life's endeavors are no longer bringing me joy Mm -hmm. when I sit still here questioning my own mortality (laughs) Um, and maybe I'm questioning the things that I know now will not save me you know Mm -hmm. and when there's nothing maybe left to stop me from getting exactly what I want in life what do I want Um, how do I rebuild how do I rebuild like that sense of satisfaction yeah um, because thinking about that, the idea that, that, that you, you, you might say, don't turn away, look at everything. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of knowledge you can start gaining, right? Yeah. You can learn a lot from people with different <laughs> perspectives and different opinions and that disagree with you. I I used to not want to talk to anyone about anything that might be charged or we might disagree on. Really? Like, yeah, that was like I I'm like I oh, no no thanks I'm not gonna talk about politics I don't know enough about it to even have a discussion and then you're gonna say something I'm gonna be mad or I'm gonna say something and you're gonna be mad but like my perspective that's developing now with this safety <laughs> like of of like community and people who are thinking this way is that let's have a disagreement. I don't have to know. And I can actually learn from your perspectives, whether I embrace them or not. 
And then people have been like that a long time. That's just me who's like, oh, I can actually not even have to debate, but I can just bring it to the table and hear it without needing to fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and that's confrontational for a lot of people. Right. Um, and that's even okay and, and, if people are okay with being confrontational. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how folks feel about that. I know how I feel about that. I feel like I I have had this to to say that I don't welcome it. I don't try to be, but mm-hmm. I am ready, willing, and able to have a confrontational conversation if it's building. Right. It's like boxers. Um, you know, how boxers like shake hands at the end. Like they go, they go in. They try to kill each other, but at the end, they know it's a game, and they're like, "There's a whole other thing happening, right?" What's, in that, uh huh. There's a whole other dance, you know. Um, it's like you know, being being courtside and being able to hear, you know, some of some of the talk that's actually going on. Mm-hmm. But thinking about. Um, not looking away. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking of just how eros, eroticism, and love, those words are, go right down one hallway and down another and, and stay very far away from the moment when you can really take an opportunity to engage something and be curious and stop long enough to try to understand and if understanding's not possible no you know no doesn't need to be like scorched earth because you didn't get it right the, a live and let live the state motto of <laughs> New Hampshire. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yes, yeah, the state motto of New Hampshire. But the idea, yeah, that, that these things can coexist. And the, the word coexist is so, I feel like, not present in some of these conversations, too. You, you used it, and I think that that's helpful because it's inclusive in a way that you recognize the pie can get bigger. You know, depending on how you cut it, mm-hmm. everybody can have a slice, you know. Um, and also, on the personal level, I'm very, because I know that you, you, you have seen how it works within groups and how that could look on a therapeutic level with other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm very curious how that looks in isolation when you're kind of doing the work on your own. And you kind of need a little guidance, but maybe you don't know anybody who's doing this kind of thinking right now, or you don't know yet the terms mm-hmm. to use to say to someone, I'm questioning some of the things that I thought were loving to me. Mm-hmm. Here's how this looks, and, and I can actually um, say, um, you know, for example, like, I was working full-time as a teacher 
on my way to the forum, okay, the pension, da 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 city job, blah, 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 you know, doing the things that, um, the satellite stability, but I felt internally so um, chaotic mm-hmm. because I couldn't maintain from a pillar of my own strength, you know? Um, and how my satisfaction with what I did was so limited because of my inability to balance the go, go, go Mm -hmm. with the nurturing and self-care that I actually needed to be good Mm -hmm. at being joyful or loving and caring and nurturing for my students and anybody I came in contact with, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that was about like doing a lot of the shadow work to be like, no, I never thought that this was going to actually be all that I needed in my life. Uh. Did need to find a new blueprint. Yeah, when you said that, I was like, that's a really good question because I don't know how you can do it in isolation. I think one of the, like, one of the foundations of this work we're doing is connection mm-hmm. and community and it's community. very important and so it, I don't know that there's like a way of saying and you can also do this in isolation you know when you brought up like the BDSM community I'm not part of that community I I have like done like fashion shows whatever right. <laughs> but like um, but I, I, I got a little emotional because I recognized like all the gay bars and all like the you know, like the, the little communities in the middle of nowhere who, because of like the economic crisis and what's going on right now, won't ever have those spaces again. Like mm-hmm. how many, how many the spaces where people were included and had community in the darkness of, you know, other people not doing that inclusive, inclus- you know, like places where people felt safe. Mm-hmm. And then I think about how we, we tend to destroy those spaces. Mm. We tend to blow them wide open and make it um, ridiculed to ask for that space, you know? Um, I think about how I'm in Puerto Vallarta, which is known as kind of like a little gay Mecca in oh. Mexico. Um, but prior to... 2020 already did not represent women mm. on a on a on a level of like inclusion to nightlife and safe spaces. There's not a lot of like there's a lot of male only spaces. Mm. And I was talking to a friend about part of my experience of eros and love does include. Um, spaces where I felt safe and some of those spaces were asking for women only Mm. or um, you know this is lesbian night at Starlight on Avenue A in the East Village shout out it's not there anymore right but like places where we claim things for ourselves and that looks lots of ways in different communities like this is ours and how that's disappearing for, for communities. Mm-hmm. I've seen where they're 
Yeah, I mean, the, you're speaking like because of the pandemic. Just like that, like, that like the, and the real awareness of that being yeah, lost to yeah. us. It's definitely, I mean, it's affected everything, but definitely that. I've been watching how, how those communities are reacting, like something as big as like a Burning Man community, you know, what they're, what is it, what they're doing. And then, yeah, these other communities that are just either still finding ways to meet up, like having thermometers at the door, <laughs> you know, taking the risk that, you know, we want it this bad. We, we're, we're just going to have to figure out how to have it. And then, yeah, then there's just like this place where I'm sure they're not, not available anymore but yeah i talked to my friend in florida i was like you go to the bar he's like yeah man they just take your temperature at the door he goes to a gay bar and they're just just like the risk they're willing to take to have their community keep going Uh like it's been other risks in the past and now it's covid but and then yeah, that's, that, that's, a, that's an even longer discussion that we should have at some point about how connection looks in a highly charged, you know, I would say, I mean, I was a child in the 80s, but I would say it's got a similar HIV AIDS mm. pandemic um unforgiving, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, devastating impact that it it would be interesting to have like a conversation about the experience of um, marginalized folks, multiracial folks um, in rebuilding loving communities from this mm-hmm. um, because I feel like you know like communities that were driven to, to find one another before will have to hold on but people who are finding out for the first time that they actually need a community to do some of this work mm-hmm. that you can't really be a lone wolf in some of it that you should be doing your own individual responsibilities to your being but you need community yeah and how do you how do you find that we've been like i feel like i'm asking that question constantly yeah it's like zoom of course (laughs) zoom has become the (laughs) the place for everything church do you feel connected right now to you Mm mm-hmm in zoom no we're not in zoom we're in yeah uh, yeah yeah i mean i don't know if i would have in the past but now because of where we're at yes (laughs) right this is this this is it this is this is is big (laughs) this is big connection um and at the same time i'm like trying to figure out how to go visit my family right and not be six feet away from them and it's like all the right and like what's real connection yeah like, like, like I, I think that that's that's the thing. Like, I I, I want to get connection. I'm having I'm, I'm having difficult work. It was hard enough before. It was like let's take your temperature at the bar. Right. But um, then also in 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 respect of 
the idea of um, erotic spiritual empowerment. It's a fantastic time for people to be having an introspective, loving experience with what they understand as real, true love. And then what do you do? You're like, now that I've moved through this, and because so much of some of our knowledge comes from knocking around in the world and having some experiences right. that make us trial and error, see, am I getting better at this or am I not? Right. Am I getting better at maybe prioritizing self-care uh-huh. and, and loving, being loving towards myself or am I still devoting 60 hours a week to something that's exhausting? Um, and I'm just now in my pajamas and, you know, that's self-care, you know. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was like, this is awesome. Now we get a chance to get creative and try all these, you know, it, 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 now we get a chance to be at home, be at home, have time to do the things we said we always wanted to do, potentially if they involved, things you could do from home or if not you had to get creative and like use what you had to make those things happen so it was like oh this is how this is oppression <laughs> this is oppression this, we've oppressed ourselves we haven't given ourselves the joy of being at home relaxed is, baking sourdough bread in our pajamas and cozy socks well that you know the, the oppression of covid has That's very feminine. has given you that opportunity you know but do you see, like, it was like one of those weird first memeing uh-huh. things that was happening was this extremely feminine comfort and nesting uh-huh. that we were, that we were doing. And it was, it was, it was interesting that that was mm-hmm. yeah. baking. <laughs> baking, or I, I just see it as creation. Like, it was like. Arts and crafts. It was creation. Yeah, creation. Yeah. Being a creative. And so there was like, okay. there's that. Yeah. And I think that that still has to, that's how people are going to get the connection they need is just this oppression of COVID is going to bring out the genius of figuring out how to get, how to connect, connect mm-hmm. in a way that like these conversations, we have this thing we do called uh turn on as a group where we, we play these like connection games and we invite all these people that aren't here with us, but that have been in our community in some way, shape, or form, and people who haven't, to just come on and you, you get asked like a series of questions by everybody on the Zoom screen that allows you to bring out <laughs> this like... I'm getting nervous about it. <laughs> I see you. I see you. Oh God! <laughs> I think I just blew. I just blew my. <laughs> I see your eyebrows go up and say, "Ask a bunch of questions." So you backed up from the screen. <laughs> so one thing I'm curious about too, I want to find out a way to because I, I'm, I'm con- being con- intentional and trying to be conscientious about having this conversation, and and and, and um, I, I will. Um, like to share this conversation with other people and I also want to help folks pulling forth 
that feminine thing that we're discussing mm-hmm. as being suppressed and, and being maybe mislabeled and maybe um, in need of some analysis, some comfort, mm-hmm. and maybe even some healing. Mm-hmm. And how do we encourage men or male-identified penis owners to embrace that in ways that are, you know, I think about, you know, I, I, I remember reading counter-arguments to the feminist movement mm-hmm. and backlashes and understanding how that happens and how, you know, it can, it can look like that. Um, but I think it's a really wonderful time and a really great wave of energy right now mm-hmm. to help folks feel the power of femininity rather than the subversion of it in a way that's different than we've ever identified it, questioned it, or shaped shaped it. And I think about how many male teachers needed their props, how many male gardeners how many men who were doing things that were seen as, you know, prescri- prescribed feminine and devalued in some ways too. Mm-hmm. Um, occupations or passionate endeavors. And how many of them emerged, you know, on Instagram, you know, videos as, you know, amazing pizza bakers or whatever like you know people were just like, yeah, yeah like people yeah. were like you know yeah I, I was dancing in my underwear you know <laughs> I was doing I, I, I let me be vulnerable right in a, in a very in my understanding a very femme way a very open and expressive I mean these are the words that I would use to describe them mm-hmm. but, um demonstrative of nurturing and sharing. Mm-hmm. Like people were literally sharing their photo- photographs of the things they had done to feed their family. Mm. You know, and, and with pride. Right. You know, not a dismissiveness, like we ate tonight. <laughs> you know? Right. But I think I think about that like the, like ways that are actually like, you know, um Yeah. How how do you do that? I don't know. How do you help men be more feminine in a moment when um, the push is there, the momentum is there? Maybe it is political. Maybe it is spiritual. I think it's. Um, I don't. I'm just. I think it's just like being it, having approval. Like having approval for it, um, I think deep down, men want to be taken like down a feminine path. Like they want to, they want to feel that they want to let go and, and be taken by that, like 
that feeling. And so I think just having approval for it. When you see it demonstrated or demonstrating it <laughs> is helpful. Yeah, just kind of like, not to be cliche, but just being the thing. And then men, I think men will follow. <laughs> of course, not all, but I'm speaking in general, like, they don't want to share masculinity with me, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, you don't want it, and neither do they. <laughs> yeah, wow. In its rightful size. Right, right, right. It's kind of like... Which makes me want to listen to, like, Polly Jean Harvey, man size. I don't know who um, is, but I'm not... Oh, I'll send you. I, I want to have more of these conversations Matt and I think that we brought up some good stuff and I know that I'm still wrestling with this conversation because I when I made a list of the things that I wanted to talk about this kept falling off the list like it was like the thing that I kept oh I forgot that you know uh -huh. I, I was, it was like why do I keep forgetting that oh that's the thing and that that's thing, the thing I need to I, that's the thing I need to move up and talk about next this thing right now Eros and love, and, yeah, that and, and the, the, its place in healing and spiritual work and revolutionary work and mm -hmm. our identities. Um, that when I identify myself, I say very little about my er erotic, powerful identity. Mm -hmm. I, I'm. It's a it's a, it's a history. It's it's a part of me I've exercised that. For a long time, was not um, supported mm -hmm. as an empowering thing. It was difficult. It was chaotic. It was not in the flow of the expected norms. Um, so, I think that I stopped finding spaces and articulations. Mm -hmm. And it's evolving. Yeah, yeah. To be something I actually want to have a conversation about too, because that's another thing. Like actually being like, I know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I know how I feel deep inside. Nobody else needs to know about it. Thanks, bye. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, bringing that out. And the. How did you say like what it meant to like when you say. Eros, love, erotic. What, 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 what did it? It may be changing, but what does it mean to you? Um, when, when, when you said eros, I was. I think I might have rolled my eyes. Um, <laughs> um, I, I also have like a background in Greek mythology, so I immediately start started going to the the, the myths we tell ourselves mm. and recognizing um, a very breakthrough moment for me, I remember in um, literature class studying the romantic poets and recognizing the term romanticism was actually about unrequited love. That that, that is romantic. That it's it's the, the thing we think of is like Cupid 
you know, starshine and rainbows and, you know, chocolate-covered strawberries and stuff, is actually based on a myth of never getting that, Mm. that it being that demonstration of pain. And then the Buddhist kind of idea that, you know, suffering, you know, had its place. Um, And the idea of suppressing urges, suppressing passions, suppressing things that bring us joy actually had a lot of friction with my Catholic background. That suppressing things, no meat on Friday kind of thing, was actually dutiful. It was your, that actually um, deprivation, fasting, or, you know, that I had understood it as kind of like a devotional thing. And that um, indulgences, I don't think that I necessarily grew up thinking that they were something to judge. Um, But I also understood addiction, including addiction that led to the misunderstanding of the erotic. Mm -hmm. And then that also brought me to that shadow work that you need to do when you start to recognize that for me personally, looking at whether like my thoughts on pornography, my thoughts on sex work, um, like actually just exploring those questions took shadow work, which was something that maybe I would have not done had I not actually been in community with those communities to actually question it. And then what Eros and its positioning in terms of sexuality, um, one means for your sexual plural identity, but I feel like that's a given that I would want to be talk about that. But then the other thing is what it means for sexual abuse survivors to explore that, the empowerment piece. So then I thought it's, it's, it's way bigger of a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, the empowerment aspect and recognizing that there's some unpacking that needs to be done, I think is a thread that we're both talking about, but I think that you come to it from different, um, paths, right. That you get to the part where maybe deprivation brought you to understanding this and this is what I really want or maybe chaos overindulgence addiction and needing to pull it back and see what's healthy mm-hmm. and what's toxic you know it, it can also be a learning path you know because I feel like standing on a stage half naked I did have to question that or early time in my life what sexual empowerment meant for me and what place it had in my life and, and, and what ownership looks like of that experience um, which comes up in it 
that's not the end of the story. But I think that I think I know I know a lot of people who who would bring it to that question mm-hmm. and what feels right to me. I don't know that too many people have knocked their head around that. I, I know that sometimes what feels right to me comes about by what feels wrong to me. That's a good and <laughs> yeah, the healing that now needs to come before I find what comes right to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a whole different piece to say, okay, these, here, here are these things that I'm healing from that, you know, weren't loving towards me. Mm-hmm. How do I find loving towards me? In, in in spaces where maybe I thought I needed to repress. I was repressing myself. Slippery slope. <laughs> Lots of good stuff there. You know, I, I eat gummy bears for dinner and stuff, so. Huh? <laughs> Eating gummy bears for dinner. Yeah, he's gonna be there for dinner. It's like sometimes this was called for. <laughs> but I like I think I think not to settle mm-hmm. that kind of urge to be curious is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And the urge to be like, what does feel right? Um, and knowing, you know, what that, that there's a lot of power and powerfulness in being a person that says I can satisfy myself anything anything external to that I I can be responsible and accountable enough to have a chaotic experience with it you know I can I can I can confront and also know that I'm coming from a place of real, true understanding of myself and, and what I bring and my experience and who and what I'm comfortable with, what I'm not comfortable with, all these types of things. I've done the work so that when I come into community, we can be chaotic together and we're coming from a good place. I've known that's a grossful exchange, not a ruinous one. And I'll just add, or when I thing that just came up was like trying to do that kind of work on your own versus having yeah. community. Yeah. So you can do it and have spelunkers to pull you out and be like, all right, you 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 went deep, you went down, you went to the depth. And- no, I mean you would you would spin off. You know the 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 the, the proverb. Um, it's not a proverb. Ben Johnson, I think, said it. Um, the singer? Um, no, he's <laughs> a uh, British uh, writer. Okay. Um, a man taught by himself has a fool for a master. Right. Good one. Mm-hmm. You need community. You need some people to, to get messy with you. Or just to, to say, hey, you get, you're getting a little messy. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's be chaotic, but let's also... 
Bring your broom. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 